Welcome to the CrossFit Podcast. I'm Mike Giardina, the Senior Manager of Health Education for CrossFit. And we're here with a very special guest, Melanie Dizon, who is the Director of Education and Content for the Davis Finney Foundation. Hey, Melanie, thank you for being here with us. Thanks, Mike. Glad to be here. Awesome. Tell me a little bit about yourself. So I joined the Davis Finney Foundation um, really early 2018. And it was founded by Davis Finney and Connie Carpenter Finney, his wife. They were both Olympic athletes. Okay. Um, Davis is actually the most winningest. It's always weird to say it that way, but he's the most winningest cyclist, yeah. <laughs> uh, U.S. cyclist in the history. Um, and he was diagnosed with Parkinson's at age 40, which is uh, considered young onset Parkinson's. Okay. And in 2004, they founded the organization. And one of the things that was really interesting um, when he was originally diagnosed, and this is like, is, and even actually as early as 10 years ago, doctors would tell people with Parkinson's to like go home and rest. Yeah. And as an Olympic cyclist, he was like, ah, that feels strange. And yeah. um, it, he, he laughs about it, he jokes, he's like, yeah, that lasted about a week, you know, for yeah, him. Yeah. And he, uh, <laughs> And then he realized, like, every time he exercised, it was better. Yeah. And so uh, he decided, you know, to start the organization. And the, the um, mission is to help people live well today with Parkinson's. Everybody wants a cure. We all want a cure. Sure. But there isn't one. Yeah. And so we've got a lot of people living with Parkinson's. And what can they do to live well with it today? So DNA, um, exercise is in our DNA. And everything we sort of fund, all of our research, is around quality of life research, which often it happens to be exercise. exercise yeah. And uh, so for me, it was sort of a random way for me to get into this organization. I hadn't really, I didn't know anybody with Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. I wasn't, um, I didn't know anything about it really myself. Uh, but when I read their mission and I realized how much it was exercise, it got me really excited because I care about exercise. Yeah. And I was yeah, like, yeah. this is this is great. This is going to be a good fit. So uh, we we do a lot of work, have an amazing community, and uh, we're definitely biased toward action because Parkinson's is terrible yeah. and hard, but there's stuff you can do. And that's what I think is so hopeful. That's amazing. I, I didn't realize that was the background story of the Davis Finney Foundation. Yeah. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, you know, super cool that he's been able to use his own diagnosis yep. to come up with a foundation that can help so many people. Like yeah. That's pretty amazing. Totally. And he's super inspiring because, you know, when he was 40 and he was yeah. still super active, a great athlete, like he had to sort of change his direction because Parkinson's impacts so many different things. He had sure. a tremor, his voice, like lots of different things like that were impacted. And so as a broadcaster, it wasn't ideal for him to keep going, but- Cycling he, broadcaster, is that yeah, what it Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. Uh, but he was still super active. And so he's still, even to this day, 20 years later, yeah. he's an amazing athlete. Wow. So, and uh, you look at him and he's just like this, Oh my gosh, amazing. Like people without Parkinson's, right? Or just yeah. like if I could only be that. Right. Right? Uh, so it's pretty cool. That is really yeah. cool. Well, what we're going to do here is just uh, dig into some of the details of Parkinson's disease, but then tie it into considerations for CrossFit training. So for coaches who potentially might uh, train an, an athlete who mm -hmm. has Parkinson's disease, so some, some of those considerations. That's great. So let's dig into the first thing. What, what are the causes of Parkinson's disease? Yeah, so there isn't one specific cause. Mm -hmm. uh, they would say around 7% is genetics, but really what we can kind of understand is that people might have the susceptibility, Sure. Um, but something you know, sort of pulls the trigger, right? Like it's a, a head trauma, an infection, wow. um, pesticides, environmental causes um, may turn that on in somebody and that's, they end up getting Parkinson's. Um, the interesting thing about Parkinson's is most people can look back 20, 30 years mm -hmm. and say, oh, Really? Like these things were happening for a long time. So there's uh, like prodromal, pre-mortar symptoms. It are things like loss of smell, constipation, depression, and those can happen 
a really long time before a clinical diagnosis happens. And obviously hindsight's 2020, yeah. but I, I almost, you will almost never ask somebody when they were diagnosed with Parkinson's and they don't say, well, I got my diagnosis in 2017, but I was noticing symptoms back in 2005. Like there's wow, just- Wow, that long? Yeah, it's really long. And like there's a, a couple of symptoms that are, um, we can talk about the research in a little bit, but yep. that are almost, they're just so predictive of Parkinson's. And one of them is called RBD, REM behavior sleep disorder. And those people who experience that, a lot of them, that's just a pre-motor sign of Parkinson's. Well, let's just jump to that. We'll, we'll dig into some of these other things, but let's jump into that really quick. What is that? What is R RBD? Yeah, right? so it's, it's basically acting out dreams. Um, and it's, it's not on the scale of like hallucinations or anything going on like that. Yeah. It's just the dreams. Um, you know, we, when, we're doing, when we're in REM sleep, right, like yeah. we're turning that stuff off. Obviously, if we didn't, all of us would be all over all the place, place, right? right. Um, but with people in the pre early stages of Parkinson's, they're acting it all out. And wow, so um, a lot of people that sort of have it really bad, by the time they have Parkinson's, they may need to sleep in separate beds, huh. um, put some railings on the bed yeah. because they do, they get, you know, they start acting it out. So um, that's a big yeah. sort of prodromal symptom of it. Interesting. So even, even this, this kind of stuff even applies to somebody who gets the initial diagnosis at say 40 years old, which you said would be like young onset. Yeah. They can trace back some level of, of symptoms, yeah. maybe a, a decade early. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, for sure. Constipation's a really big one too. Um, a lot of people have that for a really, really long time before they get a clinical diagnosis. So How is it diagnosed? So um, it's really a, a clinical exam. Um, you have to have like three of the primary um, cardinal symptoms, which is tremor, rigidity and bradykinesia. Bradykinesia is basically like slowness of movement. Okay. Um, and then postural instability is another one, but most people will get diagnosed with uh, two of those three. Okay. And then there's a DAT scan if a clinical, a clinical exam is not giving you all the results that you want. Um, some people choose to get a DAT scan, some people what's a, don't. What's a DAT it's just scan? like. Was it like a brain Yeah, like a yeah, yeah, scan? yeah. Okay. And, um, they can kind of see the, basically what's happening is there's a protein called alpha-synuclein that misfolds in the brain. Okay. And it's really slow over time. So it's a very, very, very slow moving disease. Right. Um, and like a lot of people will say, oh yeah, I was, you know, just at work a normal day and I noticed a, my hmm. pinky trembling. And it's usually one-sided at the beginning. Maybe their foot drags like when they're walking and they're just like, weird, I can't, I can't pick my foot up or their arm doesn't swing. So yeah. And, um, and unfortunately there's a lot of time spent for people trying to figure out like, what is this? Yeah. And for the longest time, which I hope is getting better is that people will, doctors used to be like, you don't have Parkinson's, you're a woman, you're young, like, there's no way. Because just... Parkinson's is like, what do you picture? You picture like a 70, 80-year-old yeah. man stooped over sure. with bad posture. You don't think of a 40-year-old woman who's like, yeah. you know, living her life like you have Parkinson's. And so people go through a lot of times oh, where it's like misdiagnosed. Um, tremor is a, a cardinal symptom. It's different thing about Parkinson's tremor and like essential tremor mm -hmm. is Parkinson's tremor is like a tremor at rest. So I would not be doing anything and my hand would be shaking like this right. versus like, I'm, I'm going like this, like that, that can be essential tremor. Okay. So they're two separate so the, the, issues. Like with Parkinson's, then it's, it's at rest. It's you're not, rest, you're not yep. lifting something, carrying something. Yeah. It's called a resting load. tremor. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and the other thing about it is let's say you're diagnosed at 40, which like I said, is considered young onset Parkinson's disease. We call it YOPD. Mm -hmm. um, you are less like, like you might have more depression and anxiety and um, some of the non-motor symptoms. You might struggle with those a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And your progression is a lot slower than it is for somebody who's late, okay. diagnosed late. And they might have a lot more motor symptoms like they have a really active tremor they have something like that and it actually ends up progressing a little bit quicker um the older you are so again like imagine that as a doctor that's great right? be because anxiety depression 
likely be treated in other ways and, and I would assume Parkinson's may not even be considered. No, and yeah, no, they, it's not. And especially if you don't have it like, if you don't so, have a tremor, if you don't have, yeah, like, and if you don't have a doctor that really understands a neurolog neurological disease, most yeah. people are showing up at their primary care, right? Yeah, of course. And so. primary care doctors are doing the very best they can, but they're they're not trained to see all of these things, yeah. right? Um, and so that's another really important thing for people with Parkinson's. We'll talk about that, but how important the medical team is, mm -hmm. like having a movement disorder specialist, which is not just a neurologist, but a neurologist who's gotten had a fellowship sure. in movement disorders. And so um, really important to get the right care. And I, I see, see people a lot just moving from doctor to doctor because um, they know something is wrong. Yeah. And it's like they know it's really wrong and they're yeah. just not getting. No, this doesn't seem right. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't have access to. There's, you know, there's not a neurologist and a movement disorder specialist in right. every corner right. of the world. Like they're, yep. this is my primary care doctor. I'm just dealing with it. And I'm assuming as that kind of drags on, where they're they're trying to figure out their diagnosis, they might be missing out on some crucial, you know, treatment opportunities yeah. to manage the disease. Yeah? Totally. Yeah. Totally. Well, let's talk about um, once it's it's diagnosed, and let's say diagnosed early, mm -hmm. like an early age, how does the disease progress with symptoms? Yeah. Um, so like I said, we've got these um, really visible motor symptoms that are tremor, slowness, postural instability, balance, mm -hmm. freezing of gait. Um, freezing of gait is, let's say, I, I'm just, I'm getting up and I go to walk somewhere and yeah. I just stop. Like my feet feel glued to the floor. It's called freezing of gait. And um, it's crazy that they just, they just can't move. Hmm. And so uh, there's a lot of different things that people can do. Obviously, there's exercise and physical therapy and all that kind of stuff, which we'll talk about. Yep. Um, but those are the kinds of things that you might see as a coach. You might see that in the gym yep. um, if, you know, if your person with Parkinson's has uh, freezing of gait. And then the other couple interesting ones are like uh, early on might be facial masking. So it's connected to that sort of slowness of movement. They don't have the same affect. Hmm. Not everything is showing up on their face. So when you're talking to them, how they respond? Yeah, they to... could literally just be oh, blank. Um, and, you know, as a coach or somebody who's talking to you, you're like, wait, yeah. they just don't you... like me? Right. Or like, right. what's going on? Um, and no, they, they just, they don't do it. And so it's really important to, uh, it's super helpful if somebody says to you, like, just so you know, sure. I have this facial masking. And so like my feelings might not be showing up on my face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's super helpful. And if it's, if it's not, it's just good to know that that's one of the symptoms. Again, constipation is a big deal. Another reason why exercise is so important. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a saying in the Parkinson's world, you've met one person with Parkinson's, you've met one person with Parkinson's. They wow, all have a so different, different constellation huh? of symptoms. They all respond to treatment in a different way. So it's, it's tough because it's just not this like linear thing yeah. where you're like, here's the problem, I fix it, and everything's it great, right, right, <laughs> you know? Right. So. Oh, that's interesting. So when you were talking about, you called it facial masking, masking. Mm -hmm. and communicating to your coach, I would assume that sometimes it can be hard to communicate these things and for a number of reasons, but maybe one of the reasons being um, a little self-conscious about totally. your symptoms and those types of things. So can we dig into that? Like what are some of the other symptoms outside of the physical symptoms? Like are there mental symptoms? Are there cognitive symptoms that coaches should be aware of with Parkinson's athletes? Yeah, so a lot of people experience cognitive decline. Um, they call it mild cognitive impairment. Okay. And so they'll have issues with sort of executive function, yep. um, managing a lot of different stimuli at once. Mm -hmm. um, not to say that you shouldn't uh, work, work it. it. Yeah. You definitely should. But it's just like you might explain something like in a regular class, you might explain, hey, we're at the whiteboard. We're going to do this, this That's and this. Yeah. And they're like, OK, I got that. Can you? hold up and go yeah. back and like, let's talk about this one piece. Um, they, they might process information slower. Yeah. Uh, so somebody who speaks at my speed might be too much. Okay. Like they, they might, they, like I, I will get 
um, comments sometimes because I do a ton of webinars for our community and they'll be like, hey, Melanie, slow down. You, slow down, yeah. you know? Um, and so, you know, they're just, the processing speed is different. Um, they're also, you know, they're just taking in so much. Yeah. Um, and, and there's so much going on in a gym. In a lot of yeah, cases, yeah. you're not just this one group like at a board, right? There's other classes and all this kind of stuff. Um, so it's it's important to recognize that as like, they're not trying to not get it. Sure. They're not not paying attention. Right. They just might need a little bit of time. Now, how would, so, okay, well, first, first part of that is some of these more cognitive and mental symptoms, is that something that you would see in kind of early onset as well? Okay, so then if you're a coach, what are some of the considerations there? What, is it something where maybe you have the head coach that's controlling the group and then another coach that can really just break it down and spend some time working on each piece of the, the workout or the warm up or the cool down or how the workout's applied, yeah. all those things with that athlete? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it so depends on the athlete. You might have a, like, you know, you could have somebody that walks in and they said, hey, I just sure. got a Parkinson's diagnosis like a month ago and, uh, hey, no modifications or scaling needed, I'm totally there, I've got my balance, yeah. I've got everything, everything's great. Yeah. You could have the same person walk in and say, um, but I've been experiencing this for a really long time and here's, I've got some central pain, I've got all of these things. And if there's a lot, I, honestly, the best thing to do is to talk to the athlete before yes, they get into a class, right? And say, hey, what are, the best thing about this is that if you go to them and say, oh, hey, I've, I've actually been learning about Parkinson's yeah. and I've been trying to, you know, make it so that athletes are welcome in my gym and feel welcome and feel like they can be really a part of it and they feel safe. Yeah. Um, that is just going to go so far for yeah. the athlete. Yeah. And so if you're like, hey, you know, what symptoms do you have? Yeah. What do you notice? Mm -hmm. Takes two minutes Those to say that before questions. a class, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, sure. uh, and, and if it's one of those cases where the athlete does need more time, you can say, hey, let's maybe let's do a private. Let's yeah. let's do that. Or, hey, come in 10 minutes early and I'm going to be teaching this class. But so and so over here yeah. can chat with you, email them, text them. This is what's happening for me today. Um, I think it's important to notice like no two days can be the same. You might see a different athlete walk in the door yeah. three days in a row and they've just kind of showing up differently. Yeah. And um, just having that awareness and being like, hey, you don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to diagnose anything. Sure. You just have to be like, hey, I'm, I'm with you. Like, yep. help me out. What can we do today? Yep. You know, because always any movement is better than no movement. Yeah. So let me let me kind of think through that. So number one, um, it would be very helpful for coaches to first off kind of study and, and learn about Parkinson's. Uh, one of the main reasons is just because it's so beneficial for these athletes. Yes. So having a good understanding of the disease, some of the symptoms, how it progresses, which something else we'll talk about here in a second, pharmaceutical, medical interventions, and maybe how they even interfere with exercise or nutrition and those yeah. types of things. So having that background information, one. Two, constant communication. Because like you said earlier, um, no two Parkinson's athletes are going to respond the same or have the same symptoms. And then something you just said just now even that same athlete might be different day to day, right? Right. So there's no one way to handle the class. This day it might be they're in front of the whiteboard and they're understanding everything perfectly. And the next day you might have to spend a little extra time with them before the class yeah. or during the class or whatever it is. Okay, cool, cool. That makes sense as a coach. Uh, let's jump into the pharmaceutical stuff. What are the current pharmaceutical and medical medical interventions that are used? Yeah, so most people that, um are, that have Parkinson's are taking, I'm just gonna go with carbidopa, leave it open. It's like the sort of gold standard. Okay. Um, you might have some people taking dopamine agonists. The only difference really is just like how the dopamine is um, in the brain. It'd be like carbidopa, leave it open is dopamine replacement, um, but it, it needs to go through a couple of things to actually turn into the dopamine that you okay. need in the brain. Right. Uh, dopamine agonists kind of get there quicker. Okay. There are, upsides and downsides to both. Okay. But the important thing to know as a coach is that there are what is called off periods, on times, off times. Okay. And a lot of times it'll happen sort of, you know, as 
as the years go on and they're still taking a lot of medications, like it's not unusual for somebody with Parkinson's to take 30 pills a day, 40 pills a day. Really? Um, and so what happens sometimes, it could be a result of poor sleep, it could be nutrition, we'll talk about why in mm -hmm. a minute, um, but it's called off times where either their medication just wore off, like it just, it's not kind of giving symptom relief over time that they need, mm -hmm. or it never went on, it's called um, just unpredictable off, like it, it either didn't sh didn't go on ever, like the dose just didn't work. Wow. Um, it could be delayed on, like normally you take it and they wait a half an hour and it just, but it never kicks on or it kicks on a long time later. So yeah. what can happen is let's say, let's say you have an athlete that walks in and they are a regular, um, I will say most, <laughs> most people that I have worked with um, tend to take a long time in the morning to kind of get there sure. together, right? They have to yep. get up, they have to take their meds, they kind of do all of those things and then they show up later. So they might show up and their their routine was, I take a, a pill at 11, or I take my pills at 11.30, mm -hmm. uh, I have a 12 o'clock class and I feel pretty good that 30 minutes in my pills are gonna be kicked in and so yep. they've made their way to the gym, here they are. Nope, it They're didn't off. work, right? Okay. So you might see somebody who's dyskinetic or somebody who's tremors there, somebody who's off balance. Um, again, the next day they take their pill at 11.30, everything's great. Things are good. Yeah, so it just, um, there's just this on and off times that are important to know as a coach. Um, it doesn't mean that like anything's wrong necessarily. And they can still train with They them? can still train. Okay. You might say, hey, like your balance is good. Let's do some static stuff yeah. today, right? Yeah. Like you're just gonna adjust like you would anybody. Sure. Um, and they're, they're not like, they didn't just get sicker. It's right. They, they didn't get sicker. They're just medication is not managing their symptoms. And so um, that is that is important to know because I think people that are not used to that will see it and get they'll get scared. Sure. They'll get like, oh my God, is this are you in pain? Like all of yeah, those kinds yeah. of things. And it's like, oh my my symptoms just aren't being managed right now. Well, I think that's one of the things we're trying to do here and, and ongoing is build that level of confidence in the coach, right? Yeah. So you so you don't get scared. So you have some confidence that, you know, there are, are there are all these unpredictable things that can happen day to day with the Parkinson's athlete and you are confident enough to ask the right questions and then really just use basic scaling principles, right? right. I mean, you're, you're, you get the answers and you're like, okay, I know how to scale for off balance. Mm -hmm. I know how to scale for these types of, yeah. you know. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, we've talked about, before we really dig into kind of CrossFit as exercise, what are the current exercise guidelines for Parkinson's patients? Yes, okay, so um, there's there's been a lot of evolution and okay. research. It's just super interesting. Well, you said 10 years ago, they weren't even really prescribing yeah. it, right? Yeah, so. yeah. So um, we have a, a guy that we work with a lot. His name is Jay Alberts. He's out of the Cleveland Clinic. He's okay. a um, physical therapist, such great work. And he actually discovered while doing RAGBRAI, I want to say it was like 2007, I feel like that's right, uh, which is the ride across Iowa okay. on a tandem bike with somebody with Parkinson's. and. In, like initially, you know, when you like go do a, um, a a ride, you have to like sign in or whatever. Yep. So there's something with Parkinson's that's called micrographia, and people's writing gets really tiny, <laughs> and like you can't read it, and they have a really hard time, like sort of with that um, micro movements, right? Sure. And they got on the bike, rode that day. Later, like I feel like she was, I. I feel like I might be missing this, but in order, but she, anyway, she had to sign a card or something like that. It was fine. After writing. After writing. Yeah. And so he was like, what is going on? Like lots of other things too, but like that was just like really visible, right? Yep. And um, that sort of started him along this path of studying cycling. He was just a big cyclist and studying cycling and Parkinson's. He actually started something called Pedaling for Parkinson's, which is um, an indoor cycling class for people with Parkinson's. Yeah. Um, they're all over the country, really, really great. Uh, but so, and, and what he learned there was like when you are on the back, if you're someone with Parkinson's, you're on the back of a tandem. Hmm. You are relying on that, per like the person in front of you, if they're super fit, they can force you to go mm -hmm. faster. Okay. They can force you to like up those RPMs. It's called forced exercise. He was like, okay, how can I, can we do that somewhere? Like, can we do that otherwise than a tandem, 
right? So yeah. then they're looking at, okay, like just regular cycling. Can I get people, what is that RPM that's gonna get the most results? And they're like, oh, 70 to 80% of your one rep max. Um, you're gonna get, you're gonna be doing a lot of revolutions. You're gonna be intense. You're gonna yeah. be building, using your heart, you're using your muscles, all those kinds of things. And like that sort of like, the ideal okay. is to be intense. Now, and so intensity is intensity is, is important. Here. It's okay. super important. Now, like I said, this is the hardest thing about Parkinson's as a prescription for living well for people who aren't exercisers, right? You've mm -hmm. got these people like Davis. Yes, you're like, hey, keep now. exercising every day, and they're like, yes. Like, wait, this is like my job now. Yeah. Cool. Other people, wait, you. I've never been, I, I'm 70, yeah. I've never exercised, I don't like it, right. now you're telling me I have to do it every day and, and intense? Yes. That's terrible, right? And so um, that's why we say any movement is better than no movement. Sure. And the goal is to get them to just increase and find something they love. So big exercise for um, people with Parkinson's are pedaling for Parkinson's, mm -hmm. rock steady boxing, there's a whole, um, I've heard of the it's boxing. Called, yeah, yeah, it's Rocksteady Boxing. It's started people with Parkinson's and it's people are trained all over the place and it's boxing for people with Parkinson's. It's yeah. really great. Um, lots of other things that people can do. Um, there's even dance for Parkinson's, which is huge, okay. which as we talked about earlier, cognitive, sure. they're, they're, they've got steps, they've got choreography, they're also moving their body, right. they're thinking, like all of it these kind of things. incorporates all of that into Like it's yeah. a beautiful sort of mix. Well, CrossFit is the same. CrossFit is constantly varied, right? Yep. There's all of these things you might, like a Tur Turkish getup. I feel like in our gym, like we're still teaching people how to do Turkish getups. We've been doing it forever, right? Wait, this leg up, wait, what, right? I mean, sometimes I need a reminder. Yeah. You know, it's been 17 years. Yeah. So with a person with Parkinson's, a great oh, exercise. Yeah. They're like, that. don't have to have weight, but they're like, Oh, just getting up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But like anything like that where they're like having to do two things at once is okay. great called dual tasking. Gotcha. Like really great for their brain, but also if they're doing an exercise, even better. So just being coached through these movements. Right. You're, you're giving a cue. They're thinking about the cue. They're trying to apply it while doing reps. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's great. And then um, so we're going to start there is like any movement is better than no movement. Then we want to go. Basically, it's like 150 minutes a week of moderate intensity, yeah. ideally 75 minutes, that's high intensity. Okay. And hey, you can break that up, right? Someday yeah. you're gonna walk into a cross, you're gonna walk into the gym and the watt is 10 minutes. Okay, cool, I got my 10 minutes for the, for the week, right? Yep. Which is another reason why CrossFit is so good for people with Parkinson's. It's not like you have to do this crazy 75 minute intensity thing. You just do the regular programming yep. and you're gonna hit that. You're gonna hit the strength training. You're gonna hit metabolic training. You're gonna do gymnastics, which for some people, not okay. For some people, great. Sure. For some people, the balance, like learning all that is amazing. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's so that's sort of the general, just the general prescription and guidelines now. Having said that, there's current research where they're looking at volume and saying, because right, we've got all these people that are like, um, I can't go out and run. Right. And like, I don't balance, I can't do it. I don't feel like I can get my RPMs up that high in a bike. Um, I'm mm -hmm. not really, I don't feel safe. Um, mm -hmm. I've also not exercised a lot. So yep. like, what do I, I do? And so, yeah. yeah. And so they're looking at like, well, can volume compensate for a little bit of the intensity? And okay. early studies are saying, hey, yeah, like there's definitely some value. I don't know yet if it's been placed right up against Intensity. The intensity, sure. and if they're like, oh, that's better, right? But um, there's something to be said for the more movement you can do, so the be better. Like a lower intensity, just doing but it for longer, longer periods of time. Yeah, and okay. it could be one of those things where, like, oh, well, super valuable to do that because you're moving, yeah. and over time, that's just going to make you more comfortable getting into intensity. Yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah, um, towards intensity. For yeah, sure. I mean, the critical thing. And I, and I, the reason why I want to talk about CrossFit so much is because, you know, it's got a bad rap a little bit, right? Yeah, for well, like intensity, it's <laughs> dangerous, whatever yes. people want to say, right? We've all heard it. All heard it. But for people with Parkinson's, they're also going to be like, wait, I know, like it's dangerous for regular people. Yeah. How am I going to do it? It's not. And the key is you got to have a good coach who yeah, gets course. it. Yeah. 
right? And that's yep. why CrossFit has amazing coaches. Like you're going to be in better shape in most cases walking into a CrossFit gym that you are walking into a big box or something, totally. right? Totally. And so um, that part's really important. And then for the coach to know is that really listen to the athlete because the last, like the absolute worst thing that can happen to somebody with Parkinson's is they get injured and they can't work out. Yeah. I mean, it is literally the, the worst thing. You're basically saying like, here, go and feel terrible. Yeah. They have to be able to get up every day and work out. Okay. So you're not going to look at them if this is the same way as like another athlete. You're like, how can you be, people are going to live with Parkinson's for decades. How can we get you mm -hmm. to be coming into this gym when so, you're 85 yeah. years old? Yep. and still moving. So that's super important. So for scaling, that's, that's a huge, the scaling principles apply, but, but would you say you're even more, I don't wanna say focused on, on safety, because you're always focused on safety, but just you're, you're biasing towards that even a little bit more, even if it takes away some of the intensity, would you say that? Yeah, because also think about who comes to CrossFit. Yeah. Like you're not going to have everybody if Parkinson's comes yeah. across it. They're going to be sort of biased and dialed into like that right. competitive, like a little bit, right? Yeah. Like yeah, they're yeah. going to kind of have that mindset. Sure. And so what can happen, just like it happens with everybody else, is they love it. They feel amazing. Right. And then they start pushing yep. it. Yep. And you're like, hey, yeah. let's, let's talk let's, about this. Yeah. <laughs> Super excited. Love that you're doing this. And there's an incredible benefit that you're getting. We want to make sure you're here tomorrow. Well, it's easy. it seems like it's as easy as, okay, we want you to get intensity. We want you to push it. Let's find some of these areas where you can. Mm -hmm. Like maybe you can push it on the bike today, right? Yeah. You know, I'm next to you. We're going to reduce the fall risk. You can push it on the bike today or, or you know, some type of gymnastics yeah. movement, air squats, those types of things. And then we just pull back a little bit on some of the more complex movements, but it's still good to do those and learn those. Yeah, really good, really good. And yeah, like you said, like you might spend some time initially like teaching a complex barbell movement. Yeah. But when it comes to the workout, workout they're not right. going to be going full out. You're like, okay, let's do, you know, let's do this. Like yeah. where, where, because really they're, you know, I mean, there's, yes, you're going to have like super athletes. We got Jeff Livingston. You've interviewed I him. Have. I've talked to him a bunch. He just did wheel wad games. Like yeah. he's an athlete and he he's is. going for he's it. He's great. You know? He's so good. Yeah. Um, but and he even so, tells me he has risks. I mean, he, you yeah. know, he, he, he was telling me that he kind of has to check himself because he understands his own fall risk when he's doing things like pull-ups in his garage, right? Mm. So he's constantly has to be almost his own, his own coach yeah. where he's kind of communicating with himself. Like, should I be doing this right, right? now? And Even though is, I want to. This is a CrossFit athlete, yeah. a competitor and a doctor. Yeah, so right. like, he's really aware, right? And so you gotta just kind of like use some of that when you're working with other people that, not, you know, a lot of them are gonna come in not with a ton of body awareness, sure, right? Yeah, yeah. Not a ton, ton of like, oh, I know how to use this muscle. Like you're, you're gonna be teaching them and training them like anybody else. Yeah. And they just have this other layer to yeah. consider. You know, one thing it seems like based off of some of the examples you've used and some of the things that I've read is that um, Parkinson's patients tend to respond to, to movement patterns that are repeated over and over again. Like, okay, boxing, dancing, cycling, right? Which, you know, also happens quite a bit in CrossFit, but it seems like that is one, and I don't know, but it seems like a key component to exercise is that movement repetition. Mm, yeah, um, is yeah. That, is that a thing? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely a thing, and I think it's depending on the athlete. On the athlete a sure. lot of people are just really comforted in that comfortable in that place, right? right. right? Um, and they might feel like they have a little bit more control okay. when they're like on a bike or something, or, you know, they're just like, oh, I, I can, I, I can kind of dial up, dial up, you yeah. know? And so if they're not as super used to a CrossFit class, um, it'll probably just take some getting used to, yeah. right? about strength training? Yeah. There, is there any research behind strength training yeah. and how it applies and how it's beneficial? Yeah, for sure. And there's getting to be a lot more. Um, we actually, uh, we, we sort of do a round of funding every year. And this year, we our focus was strength training. Okay, so cool. we've got this really cool actually um, doing blood flow restriction. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And so we're really excited about it. Um, but really, if you think about it, um, the number one reason that people with Parkinson's end up at the hospital are falls. And the reason why that's so important and why strength training is so mm -hmm. important is you think about you go, you're walking, you start to fall, what do you do? 
put your leg out, you True. put your arms out, you do yep. all of these things, right, that are using muscles. Yep. And the more muscle you have, the better off you're going to be you are, if yep. you do fall or prevent yourself from falling. Um, so all of that is super, super important. And the other piece of it is really just kind of dialing in um, this like water table. So if you think about somebody with Parkinson's walking in, they have this water table of like reserve. Mm -hmm. And in the early stages of Parkinson's, you, you still most of the time have a lot of like life and energy in front of you. You can still do a ton of, you can do, you know, marathons and you can do CrossFit competitions. You can do all of these things. And it's critical to do it when you have it because okay. you don't want your water table to be done so that when you're got a draw on it, there's nothing there's there. Nothing so right. you can, you can like create reserve by getting, doing strength training now and being, you know, working your metabolic health now and cardiovascular and balance. Because, you know, think about, think about somebody who walks in the gym that has a background in gymnastics. Mm -hmm. Even if they haven't done it for 20 years, mm -hmm. they come in they a week later, they're that. like, wow, yeah. there's a lot of muscle memory there. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty sure, cool. Sure. Um, yeah. Same with people with Parkinson's. Like, you want to help, basically what you're thinking of as a coach is you're building that water table. So, the earlier the better, mm -hmm. but it's never too late. Never too late. Right. Okay, cool. Perfect. Yep. Um, we were talking about strength training, and we were talking about you know, having more muscle would be beneficial. I do know you had said something about um, the medications and then a possible interaction with diet, right? Yeah. And, and you have to control protein intake, right? Does yep. that affect an athlete with Parkinson's ability to put on muscle? Yeah, so this, the, what tends to happen with a lot of people is they start to get scared of protein because they don't want to they don't mess, mess with, with yeah. their education, right? Um, but it's, so, it's super important to have protein. So it's like, okay, how do I dial in my medication regimen, right? Mm -hmm. So basically protein, um, the gut looks at protein and then like levodopa in the same way. Okay. And so it basically will like filter it out and then the carbon of the levodopa doesn't work. So it gets in the way okay. of, the, of the medication working. And so a lot of, um, especially early on, this is a lot easier to do when you're not having to take medication so many times throughout the day. Okay. But it's like, hey, no protein before, within an hour before you take your medication. Okay. Um, also, always take it, your medication with a giant glass of water because I'll tell you a funny story about that in a minute. But, um, and then after... Um, you want to wait, like, let's say, let's say you take your pills, you want to wait a while after okay. to have protein. Okay. Now, before you work out, if you need some food, like just like crackers or um, something carbohydrate, but no protein in it. Okay. Um, but yes, get your protein. And so if that means like, okay, I've, I set out my I set out my, my times, yep. here's when I take my pill, here's when I work out. Let me work backwards from that so that I have the fuel I need for my workout, yep. but I haven't interfered with my drug in yep. order to be on during that time. So um, people will like get to the point where they're like, forget it, I'm just not gonna have protein. Because yeah. it's like, you know, I mean, really, I don't blame them. Yeah, You're like, I get it too. Ugh. I'm going to take my pill again, but oh, I didn't like, eat. It's not going to work. You yeah. The fear of it not working as yeah. well. Yeah. And, yeah. So it's important to, um, to kind of pay a little attention to it. Um, but there's a window. There's a window. And as long as you're, you're kind of navigating that window well, things should be fine. Yeah. It won't interfere. And I think that's good for a coach too, because, you know, the conversation of nutrition eventually comes up with everybody who's in the gym, regardless of, of what they come into the gym yeah. with, right? Someone's, they're going to ask about what I should do, to, what, should I, what should I eat, and all that kind of stuff. So understanding how protein can interfere with medication is something that a coach should know, so that if they do talk about you know, the basics of nutrition and eating whole foods and trying to uh, stay away from processed foods, they can also talk about that, that window uh, with, the, with the medication. Yeah. I would assume that staying away from processed foods and totally. eating whole foods is beneficial. Everything. Yeah. Everything else, like every, uh, the nutrition prescription, whatever, we can't yeah. say that, right? Uh, for CrossFit <laughs> is perfectly great. 
works yeah. for people with Parkinson's. It's yeah. just about timing. Timing. And yeah. how cool is it if you were like the coach and the person said, and you're like, well, I know you can't. They'd be yeah. like, oh my God, you know that? Yeah. That's so great, right? No, I think coming to the table with some background right? information. Well, okay, so let's talk about that because we, we talked about maybe the fear of coming to a CrossFit gym, the, uh, you know, kind of being self-conscious about your symptoms. What are the ways that CrossFit coaches could build trust with an athlete who has Parkinson's so that they know when they come in there, they're in good hands, yeah. right? And I, I know one is, like, yes, study up, understand right. uh, some of the, the basics about Parkinson's before dealing with the, the athlete. But yeah. what else could they do? So I think in an interesting part of this and it's like coaching ethics, of course, would say this, but like, I still feel like I want to mention it sure. is, um, a lot of times when people are young and mm -hmm. have Parkinson's, they don't want anybody to know mm. for odd reasons. Like you would be like, Oh my God, that's a travesty that that's the case. Yeah. So, the really strange thing that happens with Parkinson's is um, people will have to go on disability, okay? Yeah. They'll have to go on disability because they're, they maybe, they're, they're, maybe they're in finance. We have people in finance and they're like, my brain literally can't work a spreadsheet anymore, yeah. right? So they have these things they can't do and yet, oh, I just went on a 100 mile bike ride? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The insurance company yeah. doesn't want to see that. Oh yeah, that's interesting, right? yeah. And so uh, people will really, like, I, I, I'm not telling anybody I have Parkinson's. They might tell the coach. Sure. But they're not going to tell, they don't want anyone else to know <laughs> because they don't want to put it on social media. Insurance companies look. Well, that, Isn't is that a that, possibility? That, yes. Wow. People have gotten declined because they were like, you just rode this race. Oh, my goodness. And no. You have to be kidding no. me. No. No. So anyway, oh, so terrible. just like kind of make sure that in the conversation you're, hey, where are you with it? Do people know? Yeah. Not that, certainly like that that's the ethics piece as a coach, you're never going to out somebody and be like, of you course. have Parkinson's, but yeah. hey, are you yeah. talking about it? Are you Can open to it? Can we talk about this in front of other right? class members? Other, yeah. 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 So mm -hmm. that obviously, um, and I think just checking in with them and being like, cause they, you know, people with Parkinson's, a lot of times they just feel like they're kind of forgotten. Mm. Um, they also have symptoms that people, Hey, look at, she's drunk. No, she has dyskinesia. She's not drunk. Like people will get stopped in airports. People get all Gosh, this, be so frustrating. right? And so I think the, the idea is just like create the space where it's just like their favorite place to go. Yeah. They feel like, oh yeah, these are my people. Yeah. And that's the cool thing about CrossFit is like, no, I mean, yes, people are competitive but at the same time. You've got people in there so dealing supportive. with everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. And Hey, you get to come in here and be part of this too. You're, just, you're, you're another CrossFitter in the gym, right? which is a good thing, right? right? Like, so I would assume that, you know, CrossFit's interesting. It, 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 this would apply to anybody. Uh, maybe somebody who's trying to lose weight, somebody who has chronic disease, whatever it is, mm -hmm. right? But that CrossFit is, has the ability to help them physically. But when then you start thinking about, you know, the way that the classes are set up, the people that are in the class, the community aspect of it, there's also some mental uh, improvements that can, you know, possibly take place as well. Yeah. Well, so again, why I love CrossFit for people with Parkinson's is um, being connected to their community yeah. is, I would say, one of the main pillars of living well. Yeah. And people who find their people, mm -hmm. find people with Parkinson's, they live better longer. I mean, sense. there's just no doubt about it. It's like, you know, we'll, we'll, st we'll see people uh, we just did a, an event not too long ago and uh, in town and somebody came and he'd never been to any, like he didn't want to go to people, uh, yep. support group, yep. didn't want to go anywhere, didn't want to like be that sick person. Yeah. And also in fairness, you get diagnosed at 40 and you go to a support group. You see a lot of people that are way far down the road. That does not seem fun. Yeah. And so You're they just seeing, yeah. yeah, that's tough. And then they just kind of back away and like, I'm not going to do anything. And he was so happy. Oh, he was I like, bet. oh my God, I found my people and they're amazing. Yeah, that's so cool. Right? And so that's what CrossFit can yeah. do for them. They come and like, you know, not everybody has to have only friends with Parkinson's or right. only not friends with Parkinson's, right? And yep. bring your friends with Parkinson's to the gym Absolutely. and you guys work out together, yeah. right? So I've, the, the community aspect of it is 
cannot be understated, um, and it is the difference for some people between living well and just giving up. Oh man, that's crazy. Yes. Such a cool aspect of it. What, so we've kind of talked about a lot of the potential um, improvements through CrossFit. Are there, is there any research right now that's going on with CrossFit or CrossFit training uh, specifically in Parkinson's? I have been looking all over for it. I haven't seen anything that yeah. has been at least like a big enough study that it's yeah. like doing anything. Um, yeah. I was really hoping that somebody was going to yeah. submit something this year that had to do with CrossFit and they didn't awesome. do it. Um, but I, I don't, I think it'll go there. I think well, eventually. We've got a lot of anecdotal stuff, right? Like there are, definitely. There are a lot of uh, athletes out there that are using CrossFit. So many. Gosh, we've seen some crazy improvements. Right. Um, Jule, Julie, Jules, right? she was in a wheelchair, couldn't move. That video blew my mind. Yep. I mean, I, I, I mean, almost like broke down in tears right? watching that video to see, I don't know if that was her son she was with or who she was with in the video in the very beginning that was kind of helping her as she was crawling along. And then to the very end as she's running down a lane at a competition right. with her arms up celebrating after doing like bar muscle right? ups and stuff. Yeah. It was absolutely insane. No, I think it would be really cool. And like you said, I'm sure we'll get there, but to see CrossFit in a study with Parkinson's yep. uh, patients. That yeah. would be awesome. Yep. Uh, what other considerations do, should co uh, coaches consider um, <laughs> with, you know, um, symptoms or even medical or medication interference with CrossFit? Um, I, th I think one thing to consider is that these are people who have Parkinson's, but they're also just getting older. <laughs> they're yeah. just like everyone else. They've got other things too. Yeah. Not everything is Parkinson's yep. um, and leaving room for that and yeah. just being like, oh, that's, right. that's not that's that's not Parkinson's. That's just life or that's yeah. just whatever. Right. Yep. So um, it's you know, it's important that this is just like one piece of who they are. Yeah. They're so much bigger. Right. Yeah. They're so much better. And um, I would I would just always be like, not everything is Parkinson's. Not everything is Parkinson's. And I think I think it seems like the best thing that they can do, and, and they'll get a better understanding of what's Parkinson's, what's not Parkinson's, is study, yeah. right? Go out there, start reading some of this material, listen to this, yeah. right? and there'll be future things that possibly that we'll do to help, help the coach out. But gather as much information as you can. That yeah. way, when they come in, not only do you know um, kind of how to figure out where they are along the disease progression, you have an understanding how to scale, you have a better way to communicate with them, and then you can build trust and keep them in the yeah. gym, right? Yeah, and also, like, I want there to be a Parkinson's class in every CrossFit affiliate yeah, in the how world. how amazing would that be? I mean, there are enough people with Parkinson's. Yeah, what are the, do you have the numbers? What are the numbers? Do you, with people with Parkinson's? Yeah. Well, I, I, am con I am convinced they're incredibly wrong yeah. because um, there's, like, a million people with Parkinson's. Yeah, no. Everybody I talk to knows somebody with Parkinson's. Yeah. I'm like, these are wrong. First of all, you have to think about, um, because it's a disease of aging, Sure. There are so many people that are not diagnosed because they're just like, I'm just old. This is me yep. getting old. Yep. Right. Um, so tons of people with Parkinson's and I want everybody, I want every affiliate gym to have a CrossFit for Parkinson's class. Awesome. And, but, but think about how cool that could be because as, you know, as a local community person, mm -hmm. um, this is what we're doing to build. We have an initiative called build healthy Parkinson's communities mm -hmm. and we're getting into different locations all over the country and Canada and saying like, what do you guys need? Like, what do you, what, where are you under-resourced in your community yeah. to, um, uh, to make your, the community has Parkinson's better access to care, better access to the people who can really help them. And so imagine being the gym in your community that has that, that would be and awesome. brings those people together. And then you get them together and you talk to them. Totally. You say, what do you need? What can we do? What can we help you? Like, it's everybody in a, in a CrossFit community sort of comes in and brings their work to that gym, right? Yeah. And like, here are all the resources. Well, I know this doctor, I know this PT, you know? And then it just turns into this thing and like you've created a hub for people with Parkinson's and a family and a community that they never want to leave. That sounds amazing. How, how, so how could an affiliate get involved in that? Yeah, like, what so are the steps to doing that? If I were an affiliate owner, I would put, like do a, a free day, a free class for people with Parkinson's and okay. make sure you have a coach in there that's super interested and sure. at least interested in learning. You don't have to know everything. What you have to know is 
you got to tell them that you care. Yeah. You got to tell them that you're learning and you want to learn from them and you want to figure out what can I do yeah. to make you live better in my affiliate, in my community. Yeah. So you can do, you know, you can put an ad in your paper. You can go online. You can put an ad on your site. Like we're doing a free um, Parkinson's intro session at blank blank, you know, yep. bring your friends, bring your parents, bring people you love, you know, and open it to care partners and open it to people who um, are affiliated with people with Parkinson's. Um, call local PT, OTs, yeah. um, MDSs, movement disorder specialists, and be like, hey, refer your per people here. We're doing this thing on Friday. Oh, that's so, and then it must be super important, just like with anything, to create these functioning teams that can work together of, of professionals, right? So you yep. have your fitness professional, you have your movement specialist, you have, you know, your, your uh, I don't know what the doctor would, would it be a neurologist that's prescribing yep. medication? Your yeah. neurologist, so all of them kind of talking um, yeah. together and, and coming up with this, this plan. And it seems like the person who might have the most contact with the patient would be the CrossFit coach. Right, every day. Yeah, so that's really cool. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Would you would you suggest them, you know, reaching out to foundations in their areas, someone like the Davis Finney Foundation or another foundation that's close to their area yeah. and trying to get involved there as well? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's so, there's, it's untapped. Yeah. It's super there's untapped. There's a lot of options. Just yep. go out there and do it. And um, as an affiliate owner, like I know that, you know, you guys just did a, a level one for, medical okay. professionals yep. right yep. um allied health professionals are touching these people all the time like great yeah. like you're you're already talking to them yeah. make sure you're a referral yeah. go into every you know deep uh, physical therapy and yeah. um clinic and say hey like if this you've got somebody to yeah. tell them go do this like yeah. yeah and also if you guys want to come in come right? in too right get the physical therapist definitely in there, you know yeah oh that's awesome yeah really cool well any last, uh, any last like words of, of advice for yeah. CrossFit coaches? Just don't be we... scared. Yeah. Dig in there. They're an amazing, amazing group of people. Like I could not be happier to be part of this community. I never, would, I don't know anybody with Parkinson's. And now I feel like I just have this huge family of people that I oh, so cool. get to talk to every yeah. day. They're really, I, I don't know if everybody who's nice gets Parkinson's or they get Parkinson's and they turn nice, but they're just pretty <laughs> dang amazing. And I love working yeah. with them. So don't be scared, learn, study, There's so much information. Yep. DPF.org, we have just an insane amount of information on Parkinson's and um, little things that will help you uh, build trust with your athlete. and get them coming in for decades. Perfect. Well, this is our first one, right? This is our first podcast together. And I think, um, gosh, you know, who, who knows what'll come out of this? Who knows what the questions will be from mm -hmm. coaches? Um, if coaches want more information, I say we do it again. Yeah. We dig into this stuff even more, maybe get a little bit more detailed with the coaches, depending on what, what questions come back. And but, let's get a Parkinson's totally athlete. Totally get an athlete right? in here. You know, yeah. Get Jeff or Jules or right? someone like that yeah. to come in here and, and talk about their uh, experience with CrossFit mm -hmm. and some of the improvements that they've seen. Yeah. Uh, maybe we can, maybe we can, um, we can, uh, motivate some of these, um, universities to start doing some research on CrossFit. Or, I know. You know, that'd be awesome. I'm on that. Really cool. Well, Melanie, cool. thank you so much. This thank has you. Been amazing. Yeah. I learned so much and I, and I know, uh, the CrossFit community will as well. So thank you so Great. much. And thank until you. next time. Awesome. awesome. Thanks, Thanks for having me.